Check Me Out is a production of Panhandle PBS and Amarillo College's FM 90 and is recorded at AC's Washington Street campus. People reading about the Golden State Killer before he was caught, I don't know how you would sleep at night ever again. Oh, it's um, horrifying. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you or know, the Zodiac not killer. having, yeah. And yeah. it's like, Who if knows? you lived in California, I'm not going to be reading that book. I'm yeah. sorry. Nobody go to California. Like, <laughs> just, just that whole area yeah. as a country. I feel like, it's like Oregon. Colorado. Just, Colorado's another weird yeah, one. Yeah, Bundy, like, Bundy yeah, went on his reign of terror throughout those states, too. Like so. Jean Benet happened in Colorado. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bundy went to Colorado. He just did, don't yeah. go to Colorado either. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Welcome to Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Hillary Halsey, and today we are talking about, well, true crime and serial killers and all of the things that go with it. And the title of this episode is Juries, Killers, and Thieves, which was a really funny joke to me and Amy and probably not to anybody else but it was based on gypsies tramps and thieves <laughs> I, I don't know okay <laughs> so um before we get started why don't we go around and let everybody introduce themselves so we'll start over here with you uh my name is Rachel Young and why are you here I should say that too I'm here because I am just fascinated by true crime and serial killers and everything associated with it my name is Macy Gaboshik, and I am super irrationally afraid of being murdered by a serial killer, and I have been for a really long time, and so that's <laughs> why I am so involved in it. <laughs> you got to know your enemies, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I am Amy Hart. I am normally sitting where Hillary's sitting right now, and I'm actually being a guest for the first time, but Ooh. I love... Um, I like murder and serial killers. I have a Facebook group called The Macabre Club Mm -hmm. where we talk about all of those things. Mm -hmm. And I don't do as much reading on this subject as I would like to. So I'm hoping to get some really good suggestions today. Okay. (laughs) Sounds like you might get some. I think I will. So to start this out, and I'm starting with this question because I think this is really a pivotal moment for anyone that reads these books. What was the book that got you into true crime? Because I remember for me, I was obsessed with the Beatles and I read the book by the man who went and interviewed Mark David Chapman who killed John Lennon. So from reading that, I was hooked. And then I started reading other books about other serial killers and stuff like that. So what book got you hooked? Um, I think for me, I was a teenager and um, my dad is a police officer. And so he's always loved true crime. And he had a bunch of books in storage that my grandmother was going to get rid of. And so I wanted to look through them. And I came across this book called Della's Web. And it was about a woman named Della Sutorius who murdered her husband. And I was just fascinated. And it had some pictures in there. And then not too long after that, um, I'm a huge fan of the show Forensic Files, and they did an episode about Della Tutorius and everything. And from that point on, after I read Della's Web, it, it was just a fascinating process for me. Reading about it, I was hooked. And I've really been intrigued by killers and different things, especially because I think it's so hard for me to understand. Um, so I find it intriguing. But that was the book, Della's Web. 
With a name like Della Sutorius, like what else is your face? I know. You just have to be like this femme fatale. You just, yeah. You do. Yeah. Macy, what about you? I always grew up, my mom loved watching Forensic Files. And so that was always kind of in the background. And then whenever I was really young, somebody told me about how kidnappers like to break into windows and steal little girls out of their beds. So I was really afraid of it. That's where like my fear originally started. But the first book I ever read was um, The Night Stalker. And it was about Richard Ramirez. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they did, the author did interviews with him at some point, and it was a horrifying book. I never finished it. I always try and go back and finish it because he's just, it's just one of those things where his murders were so awful and graphic, and he was just so absurd that I just, like, can't finish it. <laughs> I think my first one was In Cold Blood, Truman Capote. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about how these two petty thieves probably wouldn't have done anything mm-hmm. separately but they get together and they make this new person that just wants to kill and harm people and that was so terrifying to me and that these people didn't ask for anything they were not they were not in any trouble in any way but they just happened to be at the right place at the wrong time kind yeah. of scenario and that's kind of the gateway for me was like wow that that two norm seemingly normal men it probably wouldn't have killed anybody without the other guy being mm-hmm. present when on a rampage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I the theme I'm hearing is that you're terrified, and yeah. that's why you continue. Maybe not as much from you, but sort of. Um, why Why do you like these types of books? What What is it? I think it's the, for me. Um, it is scary for sure. So it's kind of knowing your enemies a little bit, but I find it so intriguing because I don't understand it. Um, I understand the psychology once you start talking to people who do things like that, but just the act and the thought process behind it, I don't get it. And that is why I think I find it so fascinating. Part of it is I love research. And so like to have books like this you have to compile so much research and do so much like behind the scenes work to tell this awful story that actual people experienced or an actual person did um and so i that's always really fascinating is just like these are real lives that i'm reading about and you know this was what was that person's like last thought like and you know things like that which is really morbid and like but it's super creepy. And then if you have people like in the Night Stalker, he has all these interviews and he's like, well, what were you thinking during that murder or whatever? And Richard Ramirez will tell you like, oh, this is exactly what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's just like those aspects of it, those like in the moment aspects that you can learn about throughout the book is what I think I'm really drawn to. I typically read more um, true crime, kind of like the wife killing the husband or the husband killing the wife. And I think what intrigues me about that is how a regular person, not a serial killer, because a serial killer has their own fate and destiny, I feel like. And and if it's to kill 20 people, then they were a bad person probably yeah. from the beginning. But if a, if a husband murders his wife, what drove him to that point? And I love the psychology of that, mm-hmm. seeing those puzzle pieces kind of fitting together. And, and maybe it started with cheating, maybe it started with money. So I like the background and the history of like, how do you get there? Because it isn't something that I ever foresee myself doing. Hopefully not. Um, But, you know, whereas a serial killer, reading about serial killers is really scary to me. I don't know if I could finish a book about the Night Stalker. It'd probably take me a little bit Mm -hmm. um, because it is, it's so horrific. 
Whereas a one-off murder, it's more about the psychology and the relationships that those people are building and tearing apart. So do you guys tend to read more um, about isolated incidents or do you like reading about serial killers? I read more about isolated, but I'm not opposed to reading serial killer books. I just think it is taxing and it is very mentally draining when you read it. When you're, when you're going to go on that journey, you have to go to a really dark place when you read those books. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's it's one of those things where with serial killers, it's so ra- I mean, there's methods to their madness. But for if it were our lives, like it would be so random where it's just like, oh, yeah, you were just the person that they chose, like mm-hmm. out of everyone that they could have killed or whatever. Yeah. So that's kind of part of it, too, is where it's like, I want to know what drove them to this or what their thought process was or their MO. So that way, like, once again, it's me just trying to prevent something that I have no control over where it's just. <laughs> this like, is what keeps Macy up at night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I I mean, I'm not opposed to reading. um whether it's like family murder or um, spouse murder or a serial killer, um, I do tend to find I'm a little more interested when it comes to serial killers. Uh, again, I think that's just because a my career, I work in mental health and other things. Not that I've ever come across anything as extreme as that, but I do find um, kind of the psychology behind things and reading uh, kind of what you were saying about the research and the process with things and really trying to pick apart the psychology of what that person's thinking and what led them to that. Um, I find that really intriguing across all genres of, you know, of research and things, whether it's family, spouse, what, you know, mass killings, anything like that. Well, and like, one of the, like, I love serial killers and I love cold cases. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to go research some sort of murder or whatever, it's typically going to be a cold case. And I think it's kind of that same thing of, like, still both of those things, there's so many, it's a puzzle. Like, figuring out what happened. Like, either whether it's a serial killer, it's like, okay, why did they keep doing this? Mm-hmm. And, like, what's their puzzle that leads to a person? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, with cold cases, it's like, well, this is a puzzle for us to find the person. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, I think that's one of the things that I like so much about true crime is, like, it's... Mm-hmm a real life puzzle in some really horrific ways. See, cold cases freak me out more than <laughs> killers that have been caught. I don't like that unfinished because then for me, it's okay, who did this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. How do we know they haven't done this again? Who? I don't know. Cue the that. unsolved mysteries. Yeah, it freaks me <laughs> yes. out. I like the resolve though of a, of a regular case that's closed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like to finish the book and it feel like it's resolved in mm-hmm. some way. Um, and I like the writers that will wait until the trial has happened. So you ultimately know the fate of yeah. the person mm-hmm. as well. So I do like the resolve. Um, now, a serial killer that has maybe been sentenced to death row or something like that. Yeah, I could probably handle that. But mm-hmm. I can't handle the cl- like people reading about the Golden State Killer before he was caught. I don't know how you would sleep at night ever again. Oh, it's um, horrifying. Because yeah. it's like, yeah. you or know, the Zodiac not killer. having, yeah. And yeah. it's like, Who if knows? you live in California, I'm not going to be reading that book. I'm yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. Nobody go to California. Like, <laughs> just, just that whole area yeah. of the country. I feel like, like Oregon. Colorado. Just, Colorado's another weird yeah, one. Yeah, and Bundy, like, Bundy yeah, went on his reign of terror you know, throughout those states too. Like so. Jean Benet happened in Colorado. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bundy went to Colorado. He just don't go to Colorado either. I will say though, there was a dumping site a, a body dump site found in like right outside albuquerque 
Yes, no clue. it was all in the, within the desert, and it was mm-hmm. just all. It was just a place that people just kept going mm-hmm. over and, and over so and over again. And so now they're trying to figure out: is it was it one person who was doing this? Mm-hmm. Because now, since it's been discovered, there have been no more bodies dumped there, and it's so I I might stay out of New Mexico too. <laughs> <laughs> so Amy brought up the Golden State Killer, and I think that that's a really important one, especially to talk about now because of uh, Michelle McNamara's book, "I'll Be Gone in the Dark." which came out in 2018, Mm -hmm. I believe, um, which she died before the book was actually completed and then her husband and others completed the book. Since its publication, he has been found. What kind of reward is that for people who, you know, we're talking about, I don't like cold cases. They make me feel, you know, creeped out and like (laughs) they're still out there somewhere and there's not that resolution. So... First of all, if you've read the book or you've heard about it or, or have interacted with the book in some way, I, I listened to it on Audible, um, which was terrifying, <laughs> by the way. Um, and I did, too. Um, you read on it. A, on a trip down to Dallas, there and back, and it was exactly the amount of time to go to Dallas and back. And I went to bed that night after driving for five and a half hours listening to this, and I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to go to bed. Like You, you won't. It is, You're still yeah, awake. It's, that was intense. It <laughs> yeah. was an intense amount of time to listen to it. True crime, yeah, serial killer book, but so I think it's a cool book to talk about. What yeah. What are your thoughts on on I'll Be Gone in the Dark and the Golden State Killer? Well, the day that like the Golden State Killer was caught, I kind of felt what I imagine like whenever your team wins the Super Bowl felt like because like, <laughs> like I hate sports, but this is my sport <laughs> because it was just like it was. I, it was just amazing because you, I like, I read about the Golden State Killer essentially since my dad get, gave me a laptop in like middle school. <laughs> and, and it was just, it's this horrific thing that happened essentially from like the beginning of the 70s to the 80s. He had, he had one murder in 86, I believe, but like, and it was just this thing that just haunted an entire state. I mean, he killed at least 13 people. Um, raped over a hundred women and like all these different things and it's just like one person did that and so once you could finally after reading all of these awful things that he did that are just completely unimaginable and then seeing his face and it's just this old man who you know what I mean like it's he's been this big horrifying monster for decades and now like He's this old man who apparently is in a wheelchair now and like all these different things and and finally having a face to the person that said and did all of those things is just it kind of minimizes it because beforehand it was like, oh, my gosh, like only the devil could do this. Had you read it before? I hadn't read this um, because it came out just right before he was caught. I mean, for like. For, it was like three months or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And then he was caught. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, but I had read like the Wikipedia pages about like all of his different like names that he had and all those different things. So I hadn't read this exactly, but I got this like the day that he was caught because I was like, okay, well now that he has a face, like I want to know exactly what happened, like as much detail as I can. Because she has, um, Michelle McNamara like has interviews with uh, Paul Holes, which was one of which was like the lead investigator in the case, and so like being able to hear what he said and how he thought before they caught him and what his theories were was really really interesting. And being able to be like, oh yeah, that's true. Like they definitely know that that happened now and things like that was really 
comforting and relieving. Did you, when you read it, did you identify with Michelle because oh, yeah. of the a level of research that she did? And yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like you. Like when I <laughs> when I was listening to the book, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I know this person. I'm pretty sure it's Maisie. Um, because she, that's ultimately what she did. It was yeah. like her and a bunch of people on the web. Yeah. Coming together and like, we're going to solve this. And it's really heartbreaking as you're reading because you're like, she didn't get to see the, yeah. the final chapter. She didn't have that moment of, yeah. Well, and at the end of the book, um, her husband uh, talks about like essentially the letter that she wrote to the Golden State Killer, um, which is really beautiful that she did have that letter for whenever he was caught. But it's also it's a bittersweet moment because you're like, I wish I wish that she could finally put a face to the the guy that haunted her until like she died, essentially. So it's pretty bittersweet. Have you read it yet? No, no. And the Golden State Killer wasn't ever really where my focus was. I'm a Midwestern girl. <laughs> so a lot of my focus was um, John Wayne Gacy and Jeffrey Dahmer. And of course, Bundy. I think that was just a, a huge. But but yeah, that's and Richard Speck and some of those mm -hmm. people, they were more um, what was in my focus, especially when my interest in this was was peaked because those things um, Gacy was before. But when Dahmer was doing everything, he was I lived two hours from where he was mm. killing and doing things. So that was um, a huge thing. You I should mean, read this now, though, because Michelle yeah. McNamara is from Illinois, correct? Is I think she? so. Yeah. I was gonna. Yeah, she's from like, Chicago. She's from the Chicago area. Yeah. Oh, so that so really, and so she talks about a crime that happened that made her obsessed with this following, so, like trying to solve cases. It it's a really interesting. interesting memoir, almost in some ways yeah. of her, and like, and it's most of it is her writing, and one there's a point where it's after she's died, and it's just they tell you like her the her husband and mm -hmm. um, the investigators that helped her were, are like okay this is what we've compiled essentially because this is where she stopped, okay. um, but uh, it's a lot about like her experience um, growing up in Chicago and growing up like with this uh, murder that she ex like experiences and all these different things. So it's really I love I love the way that this book is written. It's such an easy read for a person that can handle reading about true crime. Mm -hmm. Because if she just goes back and forth, she'll talk about the crimes and then she'll go talking about like, there's a whole chapter on her mom and like things like that, so. Yeah, it sounds really good. I'm really intrigued to read it now. You need to read yeah. it. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, definitely gonna, gonna purchase that. <laughs> awesome. Let's talk a little bit about writing style and I what I am also hearing from all of you is that it's almost like you're coming to terms with what these people are like or what the circumstances were that came together and I do think that it is the type of author or the type of book you're reading that how they present the evidence so you seem to not mind that she talks about you know her her experience and I, I love that about it too because mm -hmm. it it's the inner workings of her mind, why she's so fascinated by this murder case and then why then she becomes obsessed with uh, the Golden State Killer later in her life. So what style do you like to read with true crime? Do you like it being the information being presented to you and then they go into like what happened or do you like to find out as it goes, kind of like a mystery novel? How? What do you like to read typically? I think it depends for me on the voice. So I started reading Mindhunter 
which uh, I, I know there's a Netflix series out, but it's pretty far from what the, the book is. So in that one, I really appreciate sort of, it's just kind of a timeline. It's almost like a journal narrative a little bit of him telling his story and then interjecting the, the serial killers he's interviewed and other things like that. Whereas in a book where we're just doing a chronicle of crimes and getting to the resolution of things and, and stuff like that, at some point I kind of like it to read a little bit like a mystery, but I also, I kind of like it when they pay tribute to the victims, right? So by telling that victim's story, you know, how old they were, where they were taken from, what their life was a little bit, it's almost for me reading those kind of books, especially when the killer has been caught, which I think that's why I like that so much. Like Amy said, that resolution of it is it's, it's almost a justice for things and seeing that and being able to say, my name is here. And this happened to me because this person decided to do this. It's almost like that. So I like for a lot of that information, but even about the victims to have that in there to show that, you know, this was a person with a life and and all those kind of things. So I, I really like those kind of narratives when it's talking specifically about the killer, whereas when it's the... Um, the agent or the person doing the interviewing that kind of almost journal narrative about their experience. That's such a delicate thing to do to, to, you know, whether you're interviewing the victims or if you're just recounting from the the people, you know, victims, I mean, more like rape scenarios or things like that with serial killers, but Mm -hmm. their family is who you're contacting, obviously, when they are deceased. So Mm -hmm. I I think it takes a very special author to handle that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So I I like that. What about you, Macy? I I agree that I like hearing about the victims. That's um, like to compare I'll Be Gone in the Dark with like the Richard Ramirez book, The Night Stalker. I remembered more about the victims in this one that has so many more victims than I do versus um, The Night Stalker because, I mean, this is still about the, I'll Be Gone in the Dark was still about the Golden State Killer, but it highlights every single person that he affected while other books that I've read sometimes are more like, well, here's what he, which I do want to know what the serial killer was thinking, but I don't want to know so much more about him than that I forget all of the people that he harmed. Mm-hmm. And and so like, that's one of the things that I, and I think that's part of why the, the Night Stalker was so hard for me to finish was because it was me sitting in the mind of Richard Ramirez and that's not a place that I want to be. And that's <laughs> and so while well, this one is more just like, taking that step and going, okay, this is what was happening. And this is what we think he was doing or thinking and whatnot. I'm the same. I I think um, much like Rachel, I like some sort of mystery aspect. You know, I prefer when it's, here's the body, here's where it was found. And then it becomes a whodunit. Mm -hmm. And so you start getting introduced and then it starts with basically the victim's life. Mm -hmm. So you get to learn all about them, their history. Um, So you start, I hate to say falling for these people, but you start, you you feel for them, and yeah. it, it becomes like um, yeah, respect. Yeah, and it's a respectful yeah. thing because what I don't want is like, oh, poor lady got hacked to death, but you know, at the end, and it's like I I I like there to be something about the victim and mm-hmm. and their family and interviews from their family as well. Um, but I like when all of those pieces start coming together, and you're like, ooh, was it the husband? Was it the neighbor? You know, and everybody kind of has this doubt cast on them so if they're a good writer Mm -hmm. you're gonna you're gonna start 
questioning everybody. Yeah. So in, in with true crime, there's a chance you've probably heard the story before. But a lot of the ones I try to find are ones that I have not heard the story before because I like it to read like a mystery in a way. But I much like you saying, I don't want to sit in the serial killer's mind for, you know, yeah. however long, how many days it's going to take me to finish this. I really don't want to do that very often. But I did read a book recently that was kind of a little off the beaten path for me because I I like doing research. I don't like to read books that read like research, exactly. though. Um, but this one was done really well. It's called Dead Men Do Tell Tells. And it head. is a forensic anthropologist book, and it's written by Dr. William Maples. He has since died. He wrote this in the early to mid 90s, um, I think it was when it was released. But he worked all the way from like the 50s and 60s, all the way up until the mid to late 80s. Um, his wife was a photographer for him, so they would get bones and lay them out, and his wife would photograph the bones. Um, but it's essentially every way that a human can die. Wow. <laughs> and he talks about specific stories and things that he's had to, certain scenarios that he's had to go through and all of his adventures as far as being a forensic anthropologist. Um, but it's written really well. It's not like reading a textbook. I was really worried about it when I started it. I'm like, I think I'm gonna get bored with this, but it didn't, it, it's, um, it's just fascinating. But there are a couple of chapters, it gets really hard. He talks, there's a whole chapter about children that was really hard. There's a whole chapter about different kinds of suicide that was really hard to read. But you learn a lot about the process. You learn about, you know, and it's weird because they don't use forensic anthropology in the same way they used to because now you can just DNA test it. Yeah. And you can find out who it is. But for so many years, this was the only way of identifying people. So it's an interesting read if you like true crime because there are a lot of stories in there that are very like about murders and about you know who who's the stories. author on that william maples oh okay yeah i see it yeah so when you read these kinds of books you naturally learn about history and how you know murder has shaped society in, in a lot of different ways like how we've had to go from identifying killers from like was that phrenology where it's from their head um all the way to you know now we have technology that is way beyond that, but that wouldn't have come about if we didn't have this happening. I also am wondering, do you guys have like a scientific interest in it? Do you like learning like about ballistics and, you know, blood splatter and all of that? Do you get into that part of it to go along with the book that you just talked yeah, about? I do. I oh, mean, yeah. in reading that book, it was like, you know, you start questioning, like, I wonder if I could do this for a living. And then I was like, absolutely not. The first time I smelled a body, I'd be like, I'm out. But, um, <laughs> but you know, he puts pictures in the book of certain, some of the things that he talks about. You know, nothing's grotesque. Mainly, it's raw bone. There's not any flesh hanging from it or anything like that. Um, so it's, it's done in a very mindful way. But he is a very scientific guy. But, yeah, hearing about the science, especially how it has changed, you know, watching the Ted Bundy Netflix show and, and you're like, man, they could have caught this guy early, early on if mm -hmm. they would have just had DNA, mm -hmm. you know, but they're getting a phone call like, hey, I think this guy maybe, you know, and it's like, I don't know how anything got solved back in the day. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, how did they even get yeah. anybody arrested well, ever? Well, that's probably why like the 70s and 80s were like the golden age for serial killers oh, is because yeah. we didn't have the technology that we needed to catch them so they could just 
go off willy-nilly and do whatever they wanted to do for so long. When I was reading I'll Be Gone in the Dark, I kept wondering if serial killers now are like going to be harder to come by for less of a better way to put that because they know they might get caught really quick or if people do get caught if they have that intention or that drive to maybe be a serial killer but they got caught early on yeah before they ever got to kill 20 or 30 people right i I was going to say that brings up that the interesting question of if someone you know on their first kill gets caught who's to say you know what the you where know, it was going to go from there yeah, yeah the pathology of it was and that's why for me um the forensics of it i do i like but for me the meat and potatoes is the psychology part that's really my bread and butter that i really like i'm super intrigued by the mind and the process and um, how all that works um, so that for me is the main draw with a lot of that um, even for the investigators who do these things and how it impacts them and i think that's kind of why I'm always so interested in um, the families and the victims because even the killers have families too and you have to sort of look at how does this affect them Um, so I find that intriguing as well of that whole system of family and psychology with it there's a book that I've been wanting to read on my list and it's the daughter of uh, the BTK and she wrote a book about you know okay my dad's this crazy serial killer that Mm -hmm. they couldn't get for ages um and here's what it was like growing up with him because i mean i just can't even imagine what it would be like to get a phone call one day that's like oh yeah your parent has been you know Mm -hmm. doing the worst thing that anyone could ever do but like they you love them unconditionally most likely because they're your parent like how do you i know the daughter of richard kuklinski who um he was a a known mob hitman mm-hmm. who very much liked his craft. Yes. Um, I think she was part of a, a series or part of a, a documentary, but she talked a lot about growing up with her dad and different things like that. And it's so intriguing yeah. because, yeah, she loves him. But then when all this kind of went down, it's like, oh, uh, I kind of can see it. But like, how how do I love someone who's done these horrific things? And I mean, he's a terror. He was a terrifying individual, like watching interviews with him. I would have been scared to sit in front of him. Now he's deceased now, but like, well, and it's interesting to humanize a killer. I mean, it's interesting to because you don't want to have any sort of soft feelings for someone that can be so terrible. But then, like, you hear stories from their family and you remember, oh, they're, they're a person just like I am, but mm-hmm. obviously something's different. That's one of the things that I love about true crime in a lot of ways is being reminded that, of course, you know, the people that they killed were people and had stories and feelings, but also they had a story. Mm-hmm. And it just and that's that's so interesting to me mm-hmm. because they did the worst thing that anyone could possibly do. I actually like the investigative side too. Mm-hmm. I, my uncle lived in California. Um, he passed away when I was about twelve years old, but he was a, he was an investigator for the San Bernardino County. 
sheriff's oh, department. Wow. And he's worked some really, really big cases. And he was a homicide detective. Wow. And so I like when the police show up. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, the wor- real work's about to begin. Uh-huh. You know, so I actually like the investigative side, too, and mm-hmm. seeing their process and, like, you know, seeing which ways they decide to go and who they're going to investigate first. Obviously, it's going to be the husband. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I like I like the investigative side because it's kind of research, too. Yeah, it you is. Know, and it's mm-hmm. digging into people's and it, history. And it's hands-on and research things. in a way, which yeah. is even more exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I am curious as to why this has become, I mean, it's rising in popularity. It's the probably the most popular kind of television show you can watch, mm-hmm. documentary you can watch, podcast you can listen to, a book you can read. It could be technology. I mean, I'm, I do film. I'm a film professor, so I always think about things from that perspective. But, you know, when you look at it in a narrative format, it's it starts with Sherlock Holmes, which was you know, armchair research, which is kind of like true crime. Like if you get into like the Michelle McNamara's of the world, that fascination has always been there. I just wonder why now? Why why is it so popular now? I think that one aspect is, of course, technology, but also because of technology, I feel like most of human humanity wants to understand and wants to have a sense of control. Death and someone else choosing to kill you is something that is completely out of our control. One of the things that I've noticed throughout podcasts that I listen to that are about true crime is um, most of the time if it's a person that's talking about it, as in like they are really interested in it or intrigued by it, I've always noticed that there's some sort of uh, they have anxiety or something like that. I mean, like, I definitely have anxiety. <laughs> and that's same. <laughs> yeah. And that's where a lot of my interest comes from yeah. is an anxiety from it, where it's like, okay, so I, this is one of those things that my anxious brain is going to obsess over. So let me read about it. Mm-hmm. Let me understand it. Let me see if I can find a way to control it so that way I can feel better at night to say, oh, yeah, well, I've studied this so much that, you know, I've done X, Y, and Z. I've made sure all my windows were locked and I don't live in anywhere that has a sliding glass door and all these different things. So that way it's I've prevented it to the best of my ability so I can convince myself that, oh, I'm going to be okay. (laughs) I'm safe. I think everybody has always been intrigued in some way. Mm -hmm. Every person's intrigued by death. Every person's intrigued by murder. Because it's shocking and it's, oh, it's that take your breath away moment. Oh, my gosh, somebody got murdered. But I think the veil was somehow lifted and it was like it became normal to be like, you're curious about it and so am I. And we're normal functioning people. Yeah. So somehow the veil got lifted. And I don't know when that happened. I don't either. And I, I say Sherlock Holmes, but Jack the Ripper is one of the earliest yeah. like actual serial killer right. situations mm-hmm. that well, ever existed. And But somehow through television, through social media, through all this. And I think it might it could be social media putting like on your Twitter, like, I'm really loving this Ted Bundy documentary. And people are like, me too. Yeah. You know, and so I think it's 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 a weird community building thing that we're doing. But at the same time, I mean, they used to, whenever we would have public hangings, people would go. And that would be be what they would 
do for the day. That was mm-hmm. the event of the day. Yeah. And yes, so I, I think, think people have always loved it. I think it. it's always yeah. been yeah. a community of some sort. <laughs> I mean, or let's loved go to it, hanging, yeah. going yeah. to the Coliseum, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Gladiators yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It's always been some sort of community. I think it's thing. interesting too, I think with, as technology's advanced, and I also think it's a generational thing, um, you know, as you talk about the millennial generation and things like that, we're far more outspoken about things and about what we like and don't like and what we're interested in. But also you mentioned Jack the Ripper. And that's interesting because there have been some researchers now through things I've done, they've started to speculate that H.H. H. Holmes, who mm-hmm. was the killer at the Chicago World's Fair, is actually or was actually Jack the Ripper. Ooh, um, yeah. So mm. I think we're starting to see now that people are starting to put things together and it's like, oh, okay, well, we're going to start looking into these other things. And so it brings them back up to the surface when you have inquisitive minds and the technology to start looking at other things and piece things together. Is, um, so I think generational things has a lot to do with it, technology, and just that willingness to say, hey, this is interesting to me, like Amy said, and really getting rid of that taboo with it of, you know, it's okay to be interested in those things. And I think for a lot of people being attached to your own mortality of we're all going to die, maybe not in the small percentage of people who are murdered, either by someone they know or a serial killer or something like that. But I think for some people, it is that interest in their own mortality in in a certain way, um, which I think is healthy. I think also just listening to you say that something that I know is true of film and I'm sure is true of public knowledge of uh, what we have that is accessible and that's no longer confidential for film. They couldn't show have narratives like fictional films until the 1960s or late 1950s that depicted how a crime was solved because they didn't want the masses to replicate it. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So you didn't have your police procedurals until about the 50s and that time when like, you know, Dragnet and stuff like that mm-hmm. started coming out where we, that fascination with, well, how did they, they solve this from a police side of things? I wonder what that has been, how that has changed throughout time with our, the availability that it's, I think that's part of the appealing part is that it's a secret at first, because we don't, you can't know any of it. The, the police aren't going to tell the public everything, yeah. you know. And maybe that's where a little bit of my intrigue, my dad is a police right. officer. And so there were things, now, maybe that I was supposed to hear or probably not supposed to hear, you know, being around that culture and being around my dad and his, his coworkers at certain times. And part of the things they would talk about were just normal, like, certain you know procedural things or acronyms different things now obviously I wasn't exposed to inappropriate things at a young age but now I could call my dad and say hey how does this work or you know how does this work in the court system or you know as an investigative part of this and he was the one who sparked that love of true crime and it it just kind of rolled from there but yeah I think for me some of that mystery was taken away a little bit because I had someone living in my house that I could say hey how do you think this works or how does this work and I would have an answer right there. So I think you're right. As that became more public, it's like people's eyes started to open. They're like, oh, okay, this isn't as scary as I thought or as secretive. So Yeah, I think you're right. The taboo went away somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe through technology, through well, and we're also Facebook groups and, and Twitter. And we've, I don't want to say normalized it, but I think we've, well, we like live said, in- people are outspoken about, mm-hmm. I like this and it's okay. Yeah. We live in the information age. Like we have more access to information than any other generation 
before us. Mm -hmm. So we can literally go type in Golden State Killer and then know every single thing to know that there is to know about the case. We can see pictures of like crime scenes and things like that Mm -hmm. where, you know, uh, my mom has talked about certain cases that have happened in our our city and none of that is released or was released. They just had to imagine the horror of it. And we, yeah. we have so much more access to, to that sort of Which thing. Which is so. interesting because, you know, a lot of urban legends and things like that came about because of lack of information and mm-hmm. and people just spouting off things that they think they heard from their cousin's neighbor or whatever. And yeah, to now have the accurate truth of things that happen. And sometimes it's worse than what we imagined even. And when you're talking about Richard Ramirez or BTK or Golden State, Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's worse than we even thought that it was. Mm -hmm. I think one interesting thing too that true crime, the genre itself, um, but also when you have writers like John Grisham and people like that who come from a law enforcement side, I think uh, I I just read The Innocent Man. Um, And so in that book, you really get to see the flip side of things where they're looking at the law enforcement and saying tell me about that what is what um, is that so the innocent man um is it's it's a true story about um a young woman who was killed in the early 80s in ada oklahoma um which is not too far from here and there were two men that were accused of this and it's it was just a bumbling mess and as you're going through it the two um detectives or police officers that were on this were trying to essentially frame these two men, one of which was severely mentally ill and had no capacity to stand trial or do anything. And I mean, it's just such a twisty turny. And there's another story kind of in there about two other men who were falsely accused and all of them did prison time for things. And the detriment to their health and, you know, their lives after these things happen, because once you are considered guilty in the court of public opinion, you know, it's it's kind of done for. So I really was intrigued by that because it really brought to light how the justice system that is supposed to support us and right catch the bad guys and keep them where they're supposed to be also can be abused by the very people who are supposed to be using that correctly. And I swear, after I read it, I said to my husband, I'm like, I'm never going to Oklahoma again. <laughs> I will never make it out alive. But it, it was a really, really good book. I think it was his first nonfiction because John Grisham was actually a lawyer, I believe. So the research was really, really well done. And it kept me hooked the whole time. So I would definitely recommend that on sort of the flip side when you look at true crime of, okay, most of the times we're looking at the criminal, but what about the other Mm -hmm. part of it. What about when law enforcement are the ones who are doing things, maybe not necessarily in a textbook criminal, but really are unjust Mm -hmm. with things? I think that angle is coming up a lot more in the true crime genre for television, for anything. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think of um, The Keepers, where you Mm -hmm. hear about the Know, religious side of things as well as right, the, because the keepers if, if anybody's never watched the keepers it starts out as a, a, a nun was murdered and so you think you're getting into one thing yeah and by episode three you're like well, we're in a serious i mean this is not even about a murder anymore it's so it's about deep cover up and cover up over cover up um within the catholic church but you do mm. see those different avenues that you yeah. maybe wouldn't necessarily see before and i i like that approach a lot especially with cold cases because 
cold cases only go up to a point, and yes, you still have that lingering, like, well, are they going to figure out who killed mm-hmm. Sister Catherine? But seeing that these different sides of it are what is potentially making it so that this case cannot be solved, I think that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So you recommend that book. What mm-hmm. would you guys recommend people read um, if they want to get into true crime or, or just looking for their next true crime book? Uh, well, if you want to get into true crime, the first true crime book I want to say that I read that I actually forgot about until you mentioned it was in Cold Blood because I read that for like um, in high school we had like a banned book project and you had to choose a book and that one was a true crime one that was uh, and so I chose that one and it was just it it's about like a little small town so it was really easy to relate to and just a horrific thing that could happen to kind of anyone next book wise it just uh of course I'll be gone in the dark or um no Stone Unturned, because that one is really just, if you're the science aspect of it, because it's all about people who study how the earth uh, reacts whenever bodies are buried there and all these different things, which is so interesting because that's how some, you know, bodies have been found and different things like that, which is a science that I didn't know existed until I got into true crime because what a cool job to have. <laughs> so yeah, those are ones that I'm really into. I am really into Shanna Hogan who I have interviewed for this podcast. She has ties to the Amarillo area, but she actually lives in Arizona. She does a lot of Arizona crimes um, or things in that area. Typically the husband-wife dynamic, something like that. She wrote a book about Jody Arias, who I was obsessed with. Uh, watched the court every single day. Every day I watched the trial when I got home. And uh, that's actually how I heard about Shanna. She was on the news every single night on HLN or on CNN talking about the Jody Arias case. And so I went back and started. I read all of her books from the beginning because I was like, I got I, I'm just in love with her stuff. Uh, but her latest one is called Secrets of the Marine's Wife. And it is very good. It is the, the mystery. Here's the body. How did how did it get here? Mm-hmm. Who did it? You know, so I really like her writing style. So I would say one of hers would probably be, I I started you know with her first novel, but the, or her first book they're not novels, uh, but her first book and it was about a showgirl who dismembered her husband and left him in a cooler out in the middle of the desert literally and they found a torso so um i'm gonna have to write her name down. yeah so so they're really good and she you know so i talked to her about who inspires her and so i've got a long list of things that i want to read but i really i like her style she's very respectful to the victims um she gets always gets interviews from the victims families because she wants to know about them as well and she doesn't typically focus on the actual murderer as much so i like the the way that she that she writes but i love the mystery aspect that's probably my favorite well i think that's a good stopping point for i mean you guys could probably talk for hours and hours about true crime right (laughs) forever um so thank you guys for coming in and being on our podcast and uh i don't know what to say now i was gonna say stay sexy and don't get murdered but that's That's a different podcast Thank you for listening, book lovers, and remember to click subscribe wherever you may be listening to this podcast. Special thanks goes to the Mag7 for providing us with music, to Scotty Vanderford, Cullen Lutz, and Stevie Brashears for designing us such a cool logo. See you next time.